involved, uh, you know, the faculties that we had. The MD of Airtel did a fantastic job. You know, all the other CEOs that were there did fantastic, you know, jobs. Real good stuff. Good stuff. One thing that Mr. Shegun, the MD of Airtel, said that will not leave me in a hurry. I've heard it before that they said the reward of a good job is more, more job. But he said if you want, he said people should not work for just what they are paid to do. He said you are qualified for promotion when you are doing more than what you are being paid for. Then God of heaven sees that you are doing more than what you are being paid for and then he moves you up. But you can't stay and say, I just do what's in my job description and what I'm being paid for and then you expect to become the CEO. It will never happen. It will never happen. That's why as Christians we must align ourselves you know, with principles so that when, you, when the supernatural comes upon you, it finds an alignment and it can work out. Praise God. I said praise God. This season will not leave you the same. Something is changing. Uh, I'm on my way to better days. <laughs> I will say it again. I'm on my way to better days. <laughs> In the precious name of Jesus. Uh, so the theme for the Enterprise Development Month this year is problems, opportunities, and solutions. Problems, opportunities, solutions. Problems, opportunities, solutions. So in my Sunday teachings, I, I will be looking critically at problems, opportunities, and solutions. And from next Sunday, I will you know, be looking more at opportunities because God has put in my heart that this season, great opportunities will be unleashed upon us as a church. As we take advantage of those opportunities, something will break loose in our lives in the precious name of Jesus. I'm starting this morning with what I've titled, Problem Times Are Opportunity Times. Problem Times Are Opportunity Times. Problem Times Are Opportunity Times. And I'd love to start this morning with, you know, this short video just uh, to set the tone for my discussion. It's about uh, one of the richest billionaires in the world. His name is Richard Branson and how he started this big enterprise that we call uh, the Virgin Airlines today, Virgin Atlantic. Uh, could, can we have that, 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 that video? Richard Branson may be known as the world's greatest entrepreneur, but it's his innovative thinking in the field of travel that sets him apart as a true visionary. This is his account of how he started Virgin Airlines. In 1979, Branson was traveling with his fiancée, Joan, to Puerto Rico. Their flight got canceled and several passengers were stranded. Branson called up several charter companies and booked a plane for $2,000 going to Puerto Rico. He divided up the cost of booking that charter plane amongst the passengers who were in the airport at the time and then put up a sign saying, Virgin Airways, $39 for a single flight to Puerto Rico. As far as Branson was concerned, that was the first Virgin flight. When an acquaintance approached him months later with the idea of a transatlantic airline company, Branson seized the opportunity. He was not a natural student, but was an entrepreneurial whiz at a young age. As new opportunities arose in the airline industry, Branson expanded his holdings. At various times, he has bought or launched and occasionally sold airlines in Belgium, in Australia, the United States, Nigeria, 
and elsewhere. Of course, the biggest buzz generator in Branson's travel portfolio is Virgin Galactic, the space travel company that claimed it will soon transport tourists into space for $200,000 a pop. But it all started with a single cancelled flight and someone who saw a problem as an opportunity and proffered a solution. It's our Enterprise Development Month at the Elevation Church. Our theme, problems, opportunities, solutions. Praise God. I said praise God. How many people here have missed a flight before? Or have a flight cancelled? Can I see a show of hands? Your flight has been cancelled before. You all will agree with me that it's a terrible thing, especially if that flight is a connecting flight or you have another connecting flight. Your whole itinerary is messed up, all right? So you may, it may cost you a whole day. And if you are like me, a lot of the time I fly into meetings, all right? So um, a lot of the time I meet people here who will meet me at the airport on Sunday night and say, oh, pastor, ah, you didn't tell us we were traveling today. So, and I have 8 a.m. meeting in London tomorrow. When I was studying for my MBA, my class started in Manchester, 8 a.m. in the morning on Monday mornings. I preached two or three services, then at Daystar, and then I go home, rest, pack my bag, and I'm on the BA flight at 11 p.m. I land at 5.30 a.m., London Heathrow, and I get on a connecting flight to Manchester that will arrive at 6.30. And from the airport, I, go, I pick a cab straight to the business school, drop my bag, at the lobby, and then go upstairs to attend lecture. I did that for about three years. <laughs> about five times a year, four or five times a year, sometimes. Yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was how I studied. So if you missed any of that, the whole day of first lecture may have gone. All right? And a lot of us have been in such situations before. Perhaps it may not even occur to you. This guy was... Uh, 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 Branson was traveling with his girlfriend, now his wife, and um, they were just going to Puerto Rico from uh, the British Virgin Islands just to spend some time. And the flight was canceled. And it was like, he looked at himself, I'm not going to go back. Spoke to charter companies, they said there were a few planes available, and encountered a number of people who were disappointed, like himself, and said, let me solve this problem for them. $39, one way to Puerto Rico. And people killed. And he collected their money. And when he finished collecting the money, he went to the charter stand, pay, and then he wrote a ticket for all of them. <laughs> the plane was on ground, marched all of them here. He said, as far as I'm concerned, this is, that was the first Virgin Atlantic flight, even though there was no Virgin Atlantic as at that time. Because just thinking about that, it was easier for him when, you know, he said he continued to think about it. Then a friend approached him and also talked about it and was like, I've done it before, I can do it again. Now, Virgin Atlantic is all over the world. The truth is that when you are so disappointed about a problem and you think it's the end of the world, it paralyzes the ability to think and think solutions and think opportunities. But Jesus presented himself to us as a solution to the world. And as believers, we must understand and believe that we are also solutions. Our vision as a church is to make greatness common. There's no other way to, be, to start to make greatness common 
than to see myself as being uniquely unique. The way God has created me. Because I'm so unique, my fingerprint cannot match any other person. Except you're a demon. <laughs> Even demons will try to don't work. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> because some people try to manipulate some things, you know, spiritually. That's what I'm actually talking about. But God created me uniquely. God created you uniquely. Why would God go through the pain of such unique features in us if not that there's something in me that is different and I must meet and prefer certain solution to our world today? Luke chapter 4, I read from verse 16. And this is an account of Jesus presenting himself as a solution provider. Jesus presenting himself, saying that, look, I know there are problems in this world, but I have come as a solution. And it's the same thing that you and I should be able to say. Problem times are opportunity times. And we live in a very problematic time as a nation. But before I get into that, let's read Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 to 19. Jesus here has this to say. Okay, so so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Jesus went to his hometown. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now hear what Jesus had to say. He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Lord bless the reading of his word. This was what Jesus saw from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He saw it of himself. When you look at everything here, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Poverty is a problem. So I'm going to be a solution to poverty. That was what Jesus was saying. To heal the brokenhearted, emotional sickness is a problem. Broken hearts can be mended. And Jesus said, I'm going to be a solution to that problem. To proclaim liberty to the captive, so the people in captivity. And Jesus said, I'm going to proclaim liberty to them. And as I speak, they're going to be released from their captivity. To set at liberty, I mean, to re the recovery of sight to the blind. Both physical and spiritual blindness is a major problem. And Jesus said, I am the solution to that problem. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. So all kinds of oppression. Oppression in the mind, oppression in the spirit, oppression in the body. Jesus said, I am the solution to the problem of oppression. He said, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Glory be to Jesus. Now, this is a mindset because Christ went to church, to the synagogue, and like some of us growing up in Orthodox churches uh, where they still do lay reading, Jesus happened to be a lay reader. And he just gave him the book of Isaiah. He could have opened to Isaiah chapter 1 or Isaiah chapter 2 or Isaiah. But the Bible says he found the place where it was written concerning him. 
And he read that specific place to them. And how I wish today that all of us believers we actually see ourselves as solution providers. You know, we spiritualize a lot of this and we see it as in Jesus is, Jesus is just talking about the anointing. And that brings me also to a very critical mindset that we need to change. That the anointing, the primary purpose of the anointing is problem solving. And that's not necessarily my problem first. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to do. Not necessarily to have, but to do. Because if we call for anointing service today, most people will gather. And what is on their mind is that they are coming with their personal problem so that the anointing can solve it. So, the anointing invariably may solve their personal problem, but they leave this place with a victim mentality, thinking that the purpose of the anointing is just to solve my poverty problem or heal my sickness and all that. And as I go, I give glory to God because I have solved my problem. That's like putting the cart before the horse. Because that's secondary. The primary purpose of the anointing is to position me as a solution provider. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to do this and do that and do that. Not to have this and have that and have that. I will say together. I said I will say together. There are certain things in life that if you will be positioned to do them, there's no way you will not have them. <laughs> are you still with me today? God cannot be using you to solve the problem of poverty for people and you will be poor. Except you are um, yeah, the abalist. Those are the only set of people. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, they're very wretched abalists who will tell you that they will make jazz for you and you'll be richer than Dangote. You ask them, why have not used it for yourself? <laughs> you know the reason why they can't use it for themselves? Their ways are not principle centered because principles are the only things that can be reproduced. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> That's a story for another day. It's demonic manipulations, not principle. All right? If, because if you teach principles, if you, if you disseminate principles, you can use it for yourself. Yes. So where everything that Jesus came to do is principle-centered. He preached the kingdom, the principles of the kingdom, and he said, if you do this, this will happen to you. And he was doing it, and things were happening to him, himself. Are you still with me today? Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. I said, glory be to Jesus. So it's only the abolish that is wretched and then promises you wealth. But God wants us to focus on being solution providers. People that he can use to solve the problems of the world. The anointing is for problem solving. In this enterprise development month, I want someone to develop the mindset that I am a solution provider, and God is going to help me to develop capacity to recognize opportunities. Because in the midst of every problem are opportunities waiting to be recognized. Waiting to be recognized. It's also important to note that money flows in the direction of value. So you cannot just be rich 
for being rich. It's only in this part of the world that people become billionaires and you don't see the value they are adding. And yet they're celebrated. So literally they rob you and you celebrate them. How dumb we are. I'm not talking about you or me, all of us. Yes, as a nation, because we have to change the psyche of this nation. How can somebody just show up and then he has billions and he's getting children's title and nobody's asking, where are these billions coming from? Because the greatest billionaires in the world are problem solvers. Yeah? We just talked about Branson. Gates is there. If you own a personal computer, the possibility is that you will have the Windows operating system on it. And since it's not free, you pay him. Solve the problem. And if Ford solved the problem of, you know, transportation for them in America now, across the world, in certain measure, and that Ford Corporation still has market share in certain measure all around the world. Problem solving. Problem solving. I can go on and on and on. Problem solving. We create value by solving problems. We create value by solving problems for other people. When you look all through the Bible, the same way Jesus presented himself as a solution provider, as somebody who had value to his word. And that was a mindset. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Acts chapter 38. I'm in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. His mindset was that I'm here to create solutions. And, it's the purpose, and he kept saying it, the purpose of the anointing is problem solving. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good. What does it mean to do good? Create solutions. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. When you look through uh, uh, Genesis, for instance, you see uh, Joseph, who in spite of all that he was going through, sold into slavery, brutalized by his brothers, oppressed by his brothers, emotionally crushed, yet unperturbed, still moving on. You know, when in, in, in Genesis uh, 40, I believe, uh, when the, the butler and the baker, uh, they met Joseph in prison, and they were asking him to interpret their dream. You know, when you approach a prisoner, if it's a normal prisoner, and you say, had a bad dream, what should the prisoner tell you? We are all having bad dreams. This, this place itself is a bad dream. All right? So if you like yourself, get out of my face or else I'll slap you. Go away with your bad dream. But you can imagine a Joseph. He landed in that prison because someone, one, one, one terrible woman lied on, on him. Some people would not even have been able to you know, put their mind off that problem so that when somebody approached you and said, I had a bad dream, to say, oh, sorry, you had a bad dream, sit down, I can interpret your dream, you know. And they interpreted dream for one, interpreted dream for the other one, and then they left, and for years they forgot him. But when God wants to give you your own chance at proving that you carry grace and that his anointing is upon you, it creates problems in the palace. There's a link between problems and opportunities for greatness. 
all through the Bible, you see it. There's a link between problems and opportunities for greatness. So the best place to live is a place where there are problems. So if you're about to run away from Nigeria, change your mind. That's what I'm saying. Because all through the Bible, there's a link between problems and opportunities. Problems and opportunities. So you see a Joseph like that who was in captivity, and then the, the, the king was having a bad dream. And they had to fetch him to come and interpret the dream. And the king looked at him and said, there's none like you in the whole of the world who has the spirit of God. How did they recognize the spirit of God in the life of Joseph? He was not speaking in tongues. Sir. Even though speaking in tongues is good. But that, it wasn't by that. It was that he provided solution. Uh-uh. He said, the spirit of God is here. The spirit of God is here. Because this one has solution. Today we have people who brandish the spirit of God with they create problems instead of creating solutions. By their fruits, we shall know them. There are prophets today causing problems in the name of a prophet. Instead of creating solutions, creating problems. There are Christians today who in their cooperation, they are the edict, the unit leader regretted the day the person was hired. They are what they call recruitment errors. How can I be a recruitment error yet have the Holy Ghost on my inside? There's no way in the Bible that you will see anybody filled with the Holy Ghost and the person is a recruitment error. None. I've not seen it. We need to check our brand of Christianity. There's something wrong with the foundational beliefs, some of the foundational beliefs. So you see a David, and like I said on Wednesday, the situation in Israel in the day of David, days of David was similar, is you know, very similar to what we have today. National problem. Saw king of Israel, clueless. The armies of Israel perturbed, as in overwhelmed and troubled. And Goliath will just step out. You know, mountain here, mountain there, somewhere in, you know, in the midst of Palestine. And then the Valley of Hela. And I understand that that valley is still there. I'm looking forward to visiting it you know, very soon. He said today that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a plain that just, that's very beautiful. One of the most beautiful sites in Israel today was where that, that battle took place. You know, filled with uh, um, vineyards and you know, all, all that today. Large expanse. And it was one of that kind of battle that they say is um, a one-on-one singular battle. So one person fights for the They said, well, let's not shed too many blood. Bring one person here, one person. Whoever wins, we'll take over. Simple. And Goliath, Bible says, will come down for 40 days, twice a day, rain insult on the God of Israel. And Saul was totally clueless. I had no idea on how to handle Goliath. And yet, there was a David on a simple errand. Go and deliver food. Next Sunday, I'll deal with that a little more. Because opportunities come when, even though you may be, what you are doing may be totally unconnected, but you have developed capacity to recognize opportunity 
and to create a solution. Because David was just there on Aaron. And then he saw Goliath and he was just watching us. What would they give to the person who deals with this guy? And he said, ah, their family, they won't pay taxes again forever. And by the king will give the person his daughter, you know, and all that. And David was like, no bad, no bad, no bad, no bad. So, talk to somebody. I, I need to face this guy. Simple. But you know, before now, Samuel already anointed him. If you haven't read that in your Bible, please go and read it. It wasn't after King Goliath that he was anointed king. Samuel already anointed him. And yet, he remained at the backside of the desert. But the anointing, don't forget, I said the purpose of the anointing is problem solving. The proof that he had been anointed was that he would kill Goliath first. Because literally speaking, in the law of the physical, whoever brings Goliath down qualifies for the throne. The day David killed Goliath, Saul lost his throne. So when you look all through the Bible, you will see, you see, that wherever there's problem, there are opportunities. Goliath showed up because there was a David that needs to rise up to kingship. I declare over your life today that the grace upon your life will start finding expression. The priestly, the kingly grace that is upon your life will start finding expression. You will no longer run away from problems. I said you will no longer run away from problems. Because the people here, whenever you hear a problem, you just pick race. You run. We live in a country with myriads of problems. Terrible problems. Disunity. Terrible fourth line around, you know, ethnic, ethnicity and tribalism and all that. Seriously divided. And we need to solve that problem. I don't know, but God may be planting something in somebody's heart here. There are ways. Because, you see, a country cannot move forward when principles are not obeyed. We are still doing quota system when meritocracy is what rules in the world. How can we match up with people that practice meritocracy? We will always throw the worst of us out to lead and occupy office and do different things if it's all, always going to be by quota system. There's no quota system in heaven. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. We disdain principles. Corruption is another major problem in Nigeria. And you can call it whatever name you want to call it, but as we speak, we are badly corrupt. And it's a problem that we need to solve. The public sector bad. Corporate Nigeria, terrible. God wants to send some of us here, especially in corporate Nigeria and also in politics. We will go with grace and bring Goliath down. In the precious name of Jesus. Oh, I'm not hearing your amen. Lack of, you know, capacity for governance or leadership, managerial capacity. Uh, it's, it's terrible. We, we, we waste resources. That has to end, and God is raising people. This is our opportunity. 
Somebody will manage something better. Our oil, which is the one that is contributing the greatest to our GDP, is a wasting asset. The one you take it out, you burn it, there's not, it's not coming back again. Some of us here, we're going to live long. And you will see that all these OML, OPL, they're not producing nothing again. And then we all look at ourselves. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I was taught in mineralogy, my first degree in mining engineering, that every mineral is a wasting asset. You take it out, it, it cannot replace itself. But every wasting asset is a con convertible resource. So I take oil today, I convert it to infrastructure, I convert it to good education, I convert it to something else that other people can benefit from in the future. But you know what we're doing? We are converting oil money to personal wealth and then locking it up in the Western world and they're locking it. Literally saying that the future generation of Nigerians will not taste any goodness from the natural blessing that God has given us. God cannot be happy about that. <laughs> I hope you understand what I'm saying. And that's why he has us here. Why other countries are converting money from their mineral resources to other things, infrastructural development, you know, tourism, you know, different things that will create, continue to create wealth for the future, I mean, future generation yet unborn, we are doing something different. Education, 2013 or so, WAEC, 31%, 31% of the people who sat for WAEC passed. You know, like I said in the first service, most people here who grew up in the 70s and 80s, you went to uh, uh, public schools. Today, if somebody has a degree in Nigeria, and gets a good job, their children will not go to public schools. Because our public schools are not bad. They are terrible. Horrible. In fact, it's like in the realm of some of us, they're not existing. Am I saying the truth? Because it doesn't even cross your mind. It doesn't even cross your mind. And some people are solving problems there today. Some of them didn't go into it for money, but they are now mega rich. I'm telling you the truth. And in the midst of all that, people are complaining, educational system is bad. Some people are solving the problem legitimately and smiling to the bank. Amen. Amen. Youth unemployment, 54%. The 2012 statistics. That means one out of every young person you see on the road is unemployed. And it's a dangerous weapon in the hand of the devil. Because the idle hand is the devil's workshop. Now, I'm not here to make you sad this morning. Because if you're like me, anytime you start talking about Nigeria, your mood will go down. What I'm saying is that in the midst of a problem, wherever you have problems in large scales, there are opportunities there. All through the Bible you see it. There's a connection between problems and opportunities. Problems and opportunities. Running away from Nigeria is crazy. 
Nobody should run away from where there's problem. Because there are dangerous opportunities there. Are you still with me this morning? Somebody may say, well, pastor, you're on your own. It's okay, I'm okay. I'm okay to be on my own. Yeah, I'm okay to be on my own. I have the privilege of traveling the world and I get to some places and I, 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 you know, I ask the Holy Spirit questions. Somebody doesn't have two lives now. And I have enough certificate to work here. Can't I come and work here? And the Holy Spirit will tell me your destiny and your primary place of assignment is your home country. And for you to live a life of significance, you need to be there. All these places are secondary place of assignment, not primary. And many people here, you share my destiny. Whether you accept it or not, I'm saying it to you this morning. <laughs> you share the same. So we will go across the world, but this is a place of our primary assignment. Say amen, somebody. Say better amen, somebody. This heart is always saying, don't show me your need, show me your seed. If you hear the heart speak to you, even the heart is always saying, don't show me your need. Show me your seed. You cannot approach the heart. Have you seen a farmer before who approaches the heart and all you want to put there is your need? No. The way God created this heart, the heart is always shouting, don't show me your need, show me your seed. And if you have one in your hand, drop it out, multiply it. Is somebody still with me today? The heart recognizes seeds. Our world today is waiting on us to drop seeds, not just needs. I cannot afford for my life to be defined by my needs. It has to be by my seeds. The solutions that I can create. That's how a man or a woman should be defined. Whenever you see a person defined by his or her need, people run away from them. Are you still with me today? Anybody defined by their need, people run away from them. When people are defined by their seed, people move towards them. Glory be to Jesus. Somebody say, I'm a problem solver. I'm a solution provider. I will meet needs in my world. I will meet needs in Nigeria. Say, God will send me and I will obey. And I will create solutions. So in this Enterprise Development Month 2014, I want you to have something at the back of your mind. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and Paul was writing, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. His mindset is that I am here to create solutions. To create solutions. And we must create solutions. And in closing this morning, somebody may be here who is saying, you know what, Pastor? You said we should solve problems. But I have serious problems myself. These problems are overwhelming. What do you say about that? Shouldn't I take care of myself before? You see, because that's the mindset that makes people, you know, focus on the wrong things. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added, 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 added. Our attitude is most important 
when it comes to how God wants to use us to create solutions. If you are on a career path right now, and all you think about is how your own problems will be solved at the expense of the problems in the organization, that organization will soon vomit you. My only prayer is that it won't vomit you out of the industry. Because <laughs> that can be terrible. There's a particular kind of attitude that we should have. And that's that we are not people who run away from problems. We're people who create solutions. Attitude, ladies and gentlemen, is more important than fact. Attitude is more important than fact. Attitude is more important than fact. Jesus, in John 11, verse number 3 and 4, they came to tell him, Lazarus, the man that you love is now dead. Jesus said he's not dead, he's asleep. Attitude is more important than fact. If you didn't get anything out of this message this morning, please get this. Attitude is more important than fact. While we look at not at the things which are seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Attitude is more important than fact. So somebody's here this morning, you, I have real issues I'm dealing with. I can't even think about the problem of Nigeria or problem around me or any solution, anything. God should just sort me out. I reckon with the fact that you have real issues. But I want you to know this morning that attitude is more important than fact. Attitude is more important than fact. And this is the kind of attitude that I want somebody here to have. Something, uh, uh, this is how I want your mind to be shaped. First, the problems are common to life. So don't let your personal problem or your national problem limit you. So I can be here and yet still excel massively. I can be going through stuff. I mean, Branson that we saw at the beginning he has a condition, uh, is it dexilesia or something they call it? Yeah. He, he, he. And um, there's so many people who have fulfilled their destiny despite whatever condition that they have. Uh, uh, Paul, I think in 1 Corinthians 12 or so, was saying, for this thing, I, I besought God three times that he would take this thing away from me. And said, God kept saying, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So how do I keep going through stuff and yet still focus on being a solution provider? You must understand that the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. Because some people have big problems. Other people make their problems big. In Numbers chapter 14, when you read from verse 27, uh, uh, they went and checked the, the, the land of promise. And they came back and they said, uh, there are giants in the land. And we were like grasshoppers. The grasshopper complex can, can destroy initiative completely. The problem is never the problem. It's how I see the problem. How I see the problem. And it's my choice. Because like I said on Wednesday, we don't really have overwhelming problems. We only have people who are overwhelmed. The army of Israel saw Goliath and they were overwhelmed. David saw the, the Goliath, he refused to be overwhelmed. 
Because he has capacity to see that Goliath can come down. You can live in Nigeria and be overwhelmed by the problem of Nigeria. It's your choice. And you can live in Nigeria and keep telling yourself, in this nation, God is going to use me. I'm going to be a solution provider. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to grow massive enterprises. I'm going to be at the top of my career. And yet God will still be glorified in my life. And if I'm supposed to be here, I will stay here. And I will not run. And I will be mega blessed. So the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. Also, if a problem comes to you, it's a proof that you can handle it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The Bible says there's no temptation that is taking you, such as it's not common to man. Say, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted more than that which you can bear. For in every temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If it comes to me, it's a proof that I can handle it. So we want to be like Caleb, who in Numbers 14 says, look, we are more than able to possess the land. Though there may be giants there, and we notice that there were giants there, and we saw the giants. Because somebody, God may be speaking to you, as we move into next year, you're, 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 you're supposed to go into this industry and do this, and you're seeing giants in the industry. It has been proven over and again that even in business, David bring Goliath down. Even in business. Many monopolies, oligarchies that have been brought down in the business world by the wisdom of God. And it's going to happen here in this country. In fact, I sense in my spirit, uh, um, this is 2014, before this decade is over. One of the things that will show to us that God is at work in this nation is that we're going to begin to see an end to ungodly oligarchies. I'm serious. In sectors, you just see young people just springing up and taking over. And there will be technocrats who know how to manage resources well. The moment it starts to happen in corporate Nigeria, it will have a snowball effect into our politics. The people we have now are people who are aiding and abetting corrupt politicians. That's why some of our issues are persistent. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. People who have it at the back of their mind that look, I'm building a world-class organization. I cannot afford to have corruption records in Nigeria. Because very soon I'll be quoted in New York Stock Exchange. And if they trace my record and they see that I'm just fraternizing with uh, some people here and stealing money and do all can, it may be difficult to be listed. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Those, I mean, that's the kind of mindset I'm talking about. Lastly, this morning, the size of the person is more important than the size of the problem. I'm going to deal more with that next Sunday. Next Sunday, as we discuss capacity for opportunities. The size of the person is more important than the size of the problem. The size of the person is more important than the size of the problem. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, when you read from verse 37 and 38, he said that no one puts new wine in old wine skin, or else the new wine will, be, will, will burst, and the wine skin but the wine skin will burst and be spilled, and the wine skin will be ruined. But new wine must be put in new wine skin, and both are preserved. 
Both are preserved. Both are preserved. The size of a person is more important than the size of the problem. What is your size? What is your size? If there's anyone here this morning, you just got a doctor's report on any kind of affliction. I agree together with you by faith today. That faith is rising in your heart. That problem will not terminate your destiny. I said that problem will not terminate your destiny. Just like Jesus spoke to, I mean, I spoke about Lazarus. He is not dead. He is asleep. I declare in the name of Jesus, whatever organ they said is failing, is not dead. Life is surging back to that organ. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody may be here this morning, business is dwindling in your hand. It looks like this business will not survive. And I'm speaking into that business this morning. That as you leave this place with faith in your heart, that God who has called me to be a solution provider, he will also sustain this business. And the grace of God upon this church will start to find expression in that business. I declare life is restored back to that business. I said life is restored back to that business. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus. When men say there's casting down, we will always declare there's a lifting up. Somebody say there's a lifting up all around me. Or say it again, say there's a lifting up all around me. Or say I'm a solution provider. I'm created for opportunities. I'm created for solutions. Say in the midst of darkness, my light will shine. Come on, say it again, say in the midst of darkness, my light will shine. Say I'm on my way to better days. I'm on my way to better days. Say Nigeria is on our way to better days. Oh, come on, say it with me again. Say, Nigeria is on our way to better days. Lift your right hand up if you believe it and speak to Jesus this morning and just tell him, Lord, in this new season, I believe greater opportunities are ahead of me. Open my eyes to see them. Open my eyes to see them. Somebody here this morning who is overwhelmed, I wanted to declare in the presence of God today that I refuse to be overwhelmed. I refuse to be overwhelmed. There's no temptation that's taking me such as not common. If it comes to me, it's because I can handle it. If it comes to me, it's because I can handle it. If it comes to me, it's because I can handle it.